right, we are back. We weren't here last week, but we're here here this week. Tom is back. And Tom wants to start off by talking about a fantastic ESPN Plus card. Miguel Burchell (laughs) in the main event defending his WBC title, a fight that I once said was the most important fight in all of boxing for reasons that have nothing to do with the two fighters and the results of the fight, but literally in which network would grab the fight. A lot's changed since then, but what hasn't changed was how we felt the fight would play out because it went exactly how we thought. Miguel Burchelt beat up on Mickey Roman. Were you at all sh- surprised with the way this fight played out? <laughs> hey, all good to be back. I feel like... Uh... I'm going to give my very honest take on this fight. I, I had said coming in, I thought, you know, mentioned since this came up for the month or so when it's come up, I said, oh, this should be a good fight. It's worth, you know, it's one of these decent level sort of mid-level cards that's, uh, you know, worth checking out. You know, every week it's not a mega event, but it's worth checking out. And, you know, I honestly, I was being totally honest. I was trying to give Top Rank the benefit of the doubt. I know I have a reputation for being a PBC show, but... In my heart of hearts, I felt like it wasn't going to be that good of a fight. Roman is washed. <laughs> you know, he's a Mexican journeyman, fringe contender, uh, to give him the most credit possible. Burchelt is good, arguably number one at 130, but, you know, in terms of the eye test, very sloppy fighter. Um, I thought it would be ugly and probably an early knockout, but... I, I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt. In, in hindsight, this ended up being such a mess. It was funny. My wife was watching the fight um, and just kept complaining about how bad it was, <laughs> and how sloppy the fighters were. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. How, how did we get to here from this being the I mean, I remember you saying well, that the most you got important married. fight. I think you were, oh. you were t- <laughs> talking about that in the context of it being a sought-after purse bid and – you know, have something to say about the economy, the sport of, you know, who is going to pick up on this. Anyway, I mean, where, where, where are your thoughts on this? Well, unlike you, I'm not going to give my honest opinion. I'm going to lie. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. Uh, okay. The fight was what it was. It's exactly what we expected. Mickey Roman has somehow, think about this. Think about how Roman has gotten to the place that he's gotten. Okay. Mickey Roman came onto the scene at the end of his career, essentially, where he was already a journeyman. And he goes in there and he fights Takashi Mura and gets stopped. Okay? And that was that with Roman. We thought, okay, this guy's being brought in for, for Mura to fight so Mura can, can you know, get back to uh, where he was prior to losing, and then he beats uh, Roman. All right. Roman then beats Orlando Salido, who at this point is done. Failed <laughs> yeah. to beat... Failed to beat Rocky Martinez twice. And then Roman stops him. Good fight. But you could tell Salido's done. He's so done. And then 
Roman captures these two fringe wins in Mexico, and all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, the WBC has mandated him as the number one contender for Miguel Burchell. And it was really just a ridiculous fight because we knew all along that Burchelt was going to stomp him out. And that's exactly what happened. Roman, I mean, had already 12 losses on his ledger. Like, when have we seen a guy with 12 losses come in and it's like, all right, he's the mandatory and deserves to be the mandatory? Orlando Salido, maybe. But that's a different case. And Roman, it's, it's they, like... Watch the fights. That's all I got to say. It's something that I always say. Just If you actually are watching the fights and not just looking at BoxRec, which a lot of reporters do, a lot of journalists do that, but if you actually watch the fights, you'll know what's up. Roman just, I mean, there's levels to this. He's a, he's a good fighter, and you can see Roman's got some balls. Like, he was getting tagged, and he's still countering Burchell. Now, he had to walk through the fire, but he countered Burchell and made Bur- I mean, he hurt Burchell at, at uh, in, a, I think, the second round. Burchell started to get a little, he- little hesitant. Also, Roman, uh, I don't know if you, you probably noticed this. It was hard to not notice unless you were the referee. How frequently Roman would hold Burchell and just start wailing on him with his other arm. <laughs> I mean, just what a mess, this whole fight. Ugh. But... The thing is, I want to say is, um, you know, Burchelt's good. And you pointed to that, arguably number one at 130. I have no problem with you saying that. But I do have a problem with anyone trying to make some case that Miguel Burchelt is some top fighter. Because he's not. He's good, but he ain't a top fighter. He's slow. He's open to getting countered. His defense is not good. I don't like his chances against Javante Davis. I don't like his chances against Lomachenko. I think those two guys will pretty clearly beat Burchell. Burchell's got some great tools. He's got length. He's got he's strong, but I just don't think he's got like the skill to keep himself out of danger. And it makes sense because he's already been beaten. You have any any response to that, or you wanna? Uh, you want to take this, the the side of the Lomachenko hater? Um, well, actually, well, let me answer in a few ways. I think, um, I mean, it was fascinating. The, the fight was so strange. I mean, Burchelt, so, some fighters, most fighters, <laughs> technically skilled, uh, you know, well-schooled, technically skilled fighters, you know, frequently will work off a jab, work off, of, you know, it's sort of just, they'll have a, you know, sort of default go you know the something that they can pump and they're they're not really it's not using a lot of brain something power they they're just pump, kind of huh? you know well yeah <laughs> pumping out um <laughs> you know just just to keep their opponent off balance just to, to try to set up other stuff mm-hmm. burchell off of punch like the way that most fighters will throw a jab or double up on a jab he will throw four punch power shot combinations with just the sloppiest form and i mean just consistently it's like you watch the fight it's like one two three four one you know and he would throw these shots on the inside and they would be looping he would wind up all the way down to his hip you know bring his hands all the way down to throw those shots uh he occasionally would and it looked like he was uh, swimming the like freestyle where he would just walk forward and throw like four straight punches i mean it was so so bizarre and occasionally okay you know it was like 
it's a style that is designed to get into deep water. You know, it's like you are sort of smothering your opponent's shots with your shots or using that as a way to get inside. Uh, you're using that as a way to set up, you know, harder shots here or there, which he did frequently to the body, sometimes to the head from those, you know, four shot combinations, four punch combinations. But I mean, he also left himself so open. I mean, if he fought Gervonta Davis, that would be an early knockout loss. No question about my mind. I mean, he was getting countered flush by, you know, Roman. I mean, that's it. it, it I mean, there's no fighter in the game today who defies the eye test more than Burchelt. I mean, as we said, arguably number one at 130 because of his accomplishments, but just so many technical deficiencies on display. Um, Lomachenko, I think, you know, so I said, Gervonta Davis, no problem saying early knockout loss. I mean, if you look at what Gervonta Davis did to Jesus Cuellar, I think the fight would look similar to that. I mean, Gervonta Davis, speed and power, he would get his shots in. He would be able to hurt Burchelt. Uh, I think that's, I, I don't think that's going out on a limit all to say that Lomachenko is actually kind of interesting because Lomachenko in some ways, he's kind of the refined version of what Burchelt does. He throws so I mean, I think this is why both of us sometimes get frustrated with his style. He throws so many punches to then try to set up clean work, which is much more of an amateur style than a pro style. He'll throw, you know, four and also makes it very difficult for me to make highlight gifts of him because he'll throw four shots, you know, or five shots, like four of them are not meant to, to hit. Uh, and then he'll like slip in one hard shot. But when you're watching it, it looks like he's just whiffing on purpose. It's so bizarre and frustrating. And I think with Burchelt, and this is the same, uh, same reason that Salito had some success. I think he would end up, you know, one, he's not that hard of a puncher. I think for the most part, uh, Lomachenko does have, you know, here and there, these highlight real punches where he's, you know, worn his guys out and he, he'll be able to get later in the fight. But, I think Burchelt might actually be able to have some success against Lomachenko. I think if he had more of a size advantage, I mean, Burchelt, long time, 130. I think he's probably about the same size as Lomachenko in height, reach, and just overall build. Um, I think that that actually would be interesting, although Lomachenko, I think, would have no problem you know, figuring him out eventually. I think that would look closer than you might expect for the first half of that fight. Okay, for those of you listening... Certainly for those of you that in the past have accused me of being a hater of Lomachenko, open up your ears and mark this down, okay? I think that's a ridiculous take. I, I like Burchelt. <laughs> I really like Burchelt. Like, just as a fighter, I like what he brings. And your your complaints about him are valid. I don't care, though. Like, Burchelt's the kind of guy um, that I like, okay? He fights with a lot of balls, and I don't, I don't think he's that technically bad. I, I, I mean, I did criticize him earlier because those things are valid. Um, but he's not a horrible fighter. He's in the conversation. He's certainly better than Machado. Certainly better, better than Albert Machado and Manny Machado. But here's the thing. There's levels to this. Lomachenko, should he not be able to bang with Burchelt? Just... Outbox him. I haven't seen that from Burchelt. I haven't seen a guy capable of boxing on the outside. That ain't Burchelt. Now, you could say, well, you know, Roman backed him up most of the fight. Yes, he did. But it's Mickey Roman. 
Like, you got to put these things in perspective. You want to use Mickey Roman as a as the opponent, as an indication of any sort of success against a guy the caliber of Vasily Lomachenko, the number two pound-for-pound fighter in the world, according to me. Um, I'm not buying that argument. No way. Um, Linares, with all of his skill, couldn't do it. Then Burchelt, who would, would have to move up and wait... Should he want that fight with Lomachenko and Lomachenko says, I'm not moving to 130, would have to move up and wait. I don't think that that's going to happen. And also, I think he's slow. I don't think he has the speed. And the other thing, one last thing, he's actually a bad finisher. I mean, you got, you got Mickey Roman, who's, again, not that great. You got him hurt. And what do you do? You start, I mean, you want to talk about Deontay Wilder throwing windmills. I mean, Burchelt essentially was doing the same thing. No, there was no precision because Burchelt doesn't faint. Everything is either I attack or I back up or I attack or I guard myself. That's literally the only things I saw from Burchelt, which is a problem. And we'll get to that when we talk about Ryan Martin in just a little bit. But I just disagree with that. I don't think that Burchelt is, um, I don't really think he has a chance against Lomachenko specifically because if his power doesn't help him out, then what is he going to fall back on? I mean, look, he might have the power. And I'll, and I'll admit that I'm wrong if that were to happen. And the fight certainly sounds like it will happen um, based off of the way they, the commentators brought it up. Seems like they know something. Uh, but And if, if they fight and they win, I'll come on here. And I'll tell you, I was wrong. I was completely wrong about Miguel Burchelt. And I apologize to Burchelt's team. All the, 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 the Scorpion Alacran fans out there, I apologize to all of you. But till then, I don't think Burchelt will beat Vasily Lomachenko. We talking about the second best fighter in the world, not Miguel Burchelt, who we think might be the best guy in his division. Levels. You got sure, anything to just, say to that? Yeah. <clears throat> just to clarify, I mean, what I said was I don't think he would win. But I don't think it would be a fast blowout in the way that I predicted uh, Gervonta Davis fight against Burchelt. Oh, I you think, think Bur- Davis uh, would like stop Burchelt pretty easily? Yes. I mean, I didn't even catch that, Tom. And I'm not even going to address <laughs> that. But I disagree but, yeah, with that, too. I think, uh, I think in a Lomachenko fight, uh, Burchelt's uh, mauling volume. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'd be able to make it ugly to get to the middle rounds, at least. I think Lomachenko would come up with some uh, big counters in the second half of the fight. I, definitely. I, I definitely wouldn't pick Burchelt, but yeah, so saying uh, compared to a Davis back. fight. Pulled straight back. Lomachenko. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, again, uh, hold, you know, hold on. let speaking... me add something here. I, I, I want to catch you off guard here. Miguel Burchelt. All right. How do you think he does against Tevin Farmer? That's interesting, actually. That that would actually be a really interesting fight. I would uh, I would enjoy that because uh, you know Farmer very good in fighter, but again Burchell likes to come forward, has the ugly mauling uh, style. I think also again the distinction why I think Davis would do so well. Burchell leaves himself open, but has a good chin. You know he he has that first round knockout mm-hmm. loss, but you know as we frequently say, you can you know. There's a lot of reasons to just throw those out, and you know, he's him. an example of that. What? Roman hurt him. Well, yeah, but he kept coming. You know, he didn't get knocked down, and I would say le- seemed less hurt than caught flush. 
you know, moved off balance from that. Definitely caught flush, but um, I don't think Farmer is a hard puncher at all. You know, I, I said this when we were doing there, his last fight. Not really. <laughs> Just <laughs> he stopped has, James Tennyson. The single lowest, uh, well, one of the lowest uh, knockout percentages of any champion in the sport right now. Uh, four Possibly in boxing um, well, um, <laughs> I mean, it's up there. Cesar Rene Cuenca, you know, shout out the, 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 the punch God. That's not quite Tevin Farmer, especially when you're going to score a stoppage over James Tennyson. Um, I, I worry funny. about that I fight. Josh for... Warrington was already up to six knockouts. Okay. I thought Josh Warrington had fewer than Farmer. Okay. So he, that was the, that was the name I had in mind when I was, when I corrected myself to say one of, yeah. So Tevin Farmer, almost certainly the lowest knockout percentage, at least of any active champion. Yeah. So, uh, not a very take at all to say he doesn't have punching power. So yeah, I think, uh, Davis and, uh, Burchelt actually be very, very interesting fight. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, especially because their vulnerabilities seem to line up. I think um, t- Farmer's liability is that he's a little chinny, and Burchell's liability is that he leaves himself open a lot. And Farmer's a really good guy at finding those openings, and Burchell's a really good at testing people's chins. I think that's a good fight right there. Um, probably the more fascinating of all the fights that you, we've talked about, um, as far as like just how wild and how um, across the spectrum the predictions across boxing fans would be uh, for the result of the fight. Anything else with this fight or should we move on? <laughs> Definitely ready to move on. Okay. Nonito Donaire forced Ryan Burnett to quit after dodging a punch so well that Burnett threw his back out. Or something I like mean. that, right? Um, <laughs> Nonito Donaire will move on in the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, Ryan Burnett suffered a back injury. Um, and here's the thing I want to say, okay? I have to say this. Um, I've always liked Ryan Burnett. Um, I would say maybe two years ago now. We have to go back two years. Uh, Anthony Joshua was already a world champion. And Luke Campbell had already basically showed that he was Luke Campbell. And there weren't very many other British prospects that had big names. But of the ones that I had seen, the one that uh, the prospect that was still a prospect and could be considered a prospect that I liked the most was Ryan Burnett. I thought Burnett was very good, um, really underappreciated, really like a an awkward fighter that will be effective because of what he does. And um, and so he's let me down recently and it made me feel a little bit like an idiot because he didn't look so great in the past 12 months. Um, but then seeing this fight, and I thought he'd easily beat uh, Donaire, although if there was going to be an upset in the first round, I figured this would probably be the fight because just because I like Burnett, he'd ha- end up losing because that's how the universe tends to uh, throw throw uh, or dish the cards out to me. But anyway, um, seeing Burnett uh, go down like this, and then, you know, I, I've had a back injury before. Not, not super terrible, but a back injury where I'm like, I need to lay down. I cannot sit down right now and um knowing what that's like I, I i just gained so much more respect for him that the dude finished off the round after that back injury and and took punches and um i mean i just can't believe that he was able to just continue like that shows some i i mean you, you want to talk about mickey Ramon showing heart in that fight with burchell but 
he had, you had to think that uh, Roman had some hope there. Um, but Burnett, you have no hope. Like if you've never had a back injury, it's one of those things where like, I, it's hard to imagine like doing anything. Like you're just like, you're scared to do anything to move. Um, and for him to just stand there, uh, take the punches and then get himself stretchered out of the, out of the arena, uh, it shows a lot of, a lot of heart for this guy. And I feel bad that that happened. And, I, and you know, it sucks because he's a good fighter and he probably would have made it to the final, assuming he didn't have to run into Inouye before then. Uh, but you have any takes from the fight? Yeah, a bunch of takes. I mean, I just, I <laughs> I laughed when you said that Donaire dodged so well that he caused the back injury. I mean, you know, <laughs> it brings to mind Charles Martin taking credit for uh, Vlachis, Vyacheslav, excuse me, Glasgow's knee injury when he said he, you know, <laughs> jabbed him with such strength that it reverberated through his body and injured the knee. Um, yeah, I mean, so many interesting things about this. I mean, it's funny to see Nonito Donaire move ahead. I mean, I'm reminded of when uh, Tony Bellew fought David Hay and Bruin thought, Bellew is going to get slaughtered. And then, you know, that ended up with that weird result of Hayes' body breaking down before our eyes. Um, now we have Donaire moving ahead to the next round. And, you know, I think most people predicted, oh, yeah, again, it's like Donaire is just going to get slaughtered in this tournament. He's fighting too light. He's going to be weakened by going down. And, um, you know, in the next round, he's facing Zolani Tete. And, you know, after this fight, Which will be it looks awful. Okay. <laughs> that is going to be a boring well, fight. Well, I'll, I'll swing back around to that. But, yeah, I, I thought this was interesting that in the early goings before the injury appeared, and, you know, I I did not uh, look up any interviews after the fact, so beyond what was on the broadcast. Um, have they said more about uh, how the injury occurred, if it was something bothering him during camp, if it was affecting him earlier in the fight, if it just, you know, spontaneously came up at that moment where we saw where he missed the punch and then... Uh, have you heard anything about that? He was faking it. Oh, okay. Well, there you he go. He felt the power of Donaire's <laughs> left hook. No, well, I, yeah, um, but that's that's the might point, have been though. a slip disc, I think. Well, but so Donaire did have a little bit of success. I mean, it was. I mean, I, so many just uh, intersecting thoughts on this fight. I mean, Donaire is a guy we talked about him a while ago. I always was frustrated when he got taken over to HBO. And there were all of these other Bantamweight fights happening on Showtime. And a lot of boxing writers, especially those who are more aligned with top rank and HBO, were very happy to say, oh, he's just better than all those guys because yep. he's not fighting. There was and a then damn we tournament saw- he wasn't in. Yeah, exactly. There was a whole – right, exactly. I mean it was equivalent of like Zerto skipping out on the super – you know, the World Boxing Super Series at 168 or something. Or, I think that was the context in which we had brought that up. More, more accurately, it would have been like either – it would have probably been like – Gossiev saying I'm not joining the World Boxing Super Series when basically everyone was in except him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think either of those is <laughs> is fine, but um, it's it's funny. Donaire is a guy who I think like went from being way overrated when people were thinking he was in contention for the top pound for pound slot when he was really never that good, but he was pretty good. He might've been somewhere between 10 and 15 pound for pound at his, at his peak, probably again, a little overrated because he wasn't facing any of that better competition that was on showtime at the time. And then he moved way too far up in weight, never should have been fighting at 
you know, probably super bantamweight, let alone featherweight, seemed fleshy at super bantamweight and looked pretty bad at, at 126. Now that he's 118, it actually seems like, uh, you know, I think some people wondered, is this going to be too much? Is he going to be drained coming down? Actually looked uh, a little bit better. But, <laughs> you know, also we saw, you know, the Donito Donaire that we're used to, that he's not super technically talented. Now that he's older, his reaction time is not as good. Um, you know, the fight with Burnett looked like it was kind of competitive. I mean, Burnett was definitely winning those early rounds, but Donaire was not getting blown out. So it's a weird result moving forward. Again, he'll fight Zolani Tete. Um, we've both said neither of us are super high on him. I think that's going to be another fight. I think you would favor Tete. Um, but, you know, both of them actually are kind of stylistically similar in some ways. You know, they're flawed, but do have good punching power if they can get in on their guy. I think that'll be an interesting fight. I have to say, though, it does take the wind out of the sails of the, the finale. I mean, I, I have said my take on this year's uh, Bantamweight World Boxing Super Series is, in a way, is the clear favorite, but at least we're going to finally get to see him challenged. You know, for his whole early career, he fought underwhelming opposition in Asia when he fought the one fight in the United States. It was against a very bad opponent. So this is great. We get to see these sturdy opponents. And, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, all these opponents are self-destructing before our eyes. You know, he got uh, first round knockouts in his last two fights, which either show that he's the strongest puncher in the sport. Well, but or that his opponents got caught early. Either way, it doesn't really indicate anything about his uh, technical ability over the course of a long fight against a skilled guy. Um, we thought that. Burnett might have, you know, might be a good opponent eventually. He he should have been viewed as the favorite on that side of the bracket to face him in the finals. And now he's out of the tournament. And I don't think we're really going to care that much about the winner of Donaire and Tete against Inoue. So p- pretty deflating. Um, that That's really the thing I'm most disappointed in. But interesting, again, that Donaire didn't get blown out. I think the fight with Tete will be a competitive fight. Um, again, Tete would be favored, but I am looking forward to that. I don't, I don't know. I'm surprised you, you would say it's boring. I think Donaire has slowed down enough. I mean, in this fight, he certainly got tagged a lot, got tagged flush. I mean, I don't think he has the pure athleticism to stay away from those punches anymore. So I think I would expect some action in that fight. Well, I, I think uh, for me, this tournament was never terribly interesting because it, it just seemed like um, basically a foregone conclusion that in a way would win. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on Donaire. Donaire's never really been that good. He had some success in this fight. The thing with Donaire and the thing why he would have eventually lost the fight if, if Burnett um, wouldn't have been um, wouldn't have gotten injured is essentially that Donaire's reaction time is gone, and the only times he was really having success avoiding getting hit was when he would throw with Burnett, and he would catch him first, and Donaire is still really fast despite his age and and the the moving up and down and weight, so I, I just think Burnett was getting to him, Donaire's face was getting marked up because his reaction time is bad, uh, combine that with the way his face reacts, and that, you know, that can't be avoided, that's just how his face is, it reacts, and Lastly, because the way um, just the way Donaire looks in the ring, like he just doesn't look very like he's got it all together. I don't think he would have won the fight. 
Um, I the Tete fight now is just going to be dreadful. I mean, it was going to be dreadful no matter who because Tete is boring. If he doesn't knock somebody out within the first couple of minutes of a fight, the fight's just going to like just turn it off. It's not going to be worthwhile. And we've already seen a style of this kind of fight that Donaire's been in when he fought Jeffrey Matabula um, on the, I believe, in the main event of the original Rios Alvarado fight. This was the main event fight, and they got booed at the StubHub Center because there's literally zero action. Donaire couldn't adjust to um, Matabula and basically got the decision because nobody really cared uh, to really watch the fight because it was just horrible. I'm not even sure who won that fight. Because it was just like, I need to turn this off. This is not fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, sucks for the tournament, I guess. You know, with Burnett being British, that that means you could put more cards in the UK or whatever. Although I doubt Burnett's like really a draw. Um, what Bantamweight outside of Asia can legitimately draw anywhere? That's it's probably not many. Um, yeah, I, do I have, don't have an <laughs> I don't have an answer to that question. I do have one thing about this fight. So it feels like every time there's a Dazen card, like we come on and either complain or praise it, and I have to do it again. Um, and specifically, I think what I'm about to say, if you don't want to start seeing this every broadcast, you should just hit, hit the like skip 15 seconds, like hit it like four times. Okay, so <clears throat> I thought that the, the the camera work for the World Boxing Super Series was awful. Like, just terrible. And I'll tell you why. It's a little too zoomed in. And what that means is, yes, we, we get to see the action a little closer, which is cool. Right? But they have to move the camera a lot to keep both guys in frame. And both guys are, as they move around, if they move a lot, they jump out of frame. So then the camera moves. So I'm starting to notice the camera is just shaking all the time. Um, and and it, the streaming service isn't 60 frames per second. So the uh, the moving isn't, isn't smooth. So I'm like, it, it just started to get distracting in that fight specifically where the camera was just like all over the place. I was not a fan of it. Um, I don't like it when Kevin Dunn does it. And I certainly don't like it when the World Boxing <laughs> Super Series does it. Uh, yeah, I, I I would definitely agree with that. I, I, I did want to touch on this, actually. The, the fight was streamed in 25 FPS, which is just horrific. You know, in the U.S., we have 30, either... Right, for TV. Well, you have either 60 uh, FPS, 720p or 1080i which is 60 fields per second which is it's complicated it's interlaced so it's, it's 60 half frames but it's still well, smoother going, when you're, you're watching it on TV. With this. yeah but Too anyway i hate these uk cards where um you know if they're uk is 50 fps or 25 instead of 60 slash 30 so it's when division brother divide by two usually that's that's okay um have to get bits. uh you know Usually you can get a 50 FPS stream, but this was only 25 FPS. I mean, if you watch it, and you're like, why does this look so choppy? Yeah, so this is the the really not good enough for boxing. I mean, it's really below what we're used to, and it made it very hard to watch. Um, agree, the camera work was just bad. I mean, just, just to clarify, the World Boxing Super Series produces their own broadcast, so that's separate from DAZN. So I don't know, you know, who exactly is to blame for this. I mean, I've mentioned this in past weeks that earlier on the DAZN streams in general were much higher quality, and then they cut them down, I mean, in an effort seemingly to increase the reliability of the streams. But 
that's not really how that's supposed to work. I mean, the way that it's supposed to work, like if you're on YouTube or on Netflix, even if you don't have a good connection, it's meant to just, Scale you know, down. cut down the. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what is going on with this. DAZN is, uh, they still have some work to do. This this one, especially cutting down to the 25 FPS, was just, uh, yeah, no bueno. Not a fan. Uh, do you uh, do you prefer twenty five or fifty frames per second when you download porn? <laughs> well, <laughs> or do I'll you answer go full that 1080p? as it relates to downloading fights. The uh, the match room when they do ten eighty p fifty fps that is the gold standard. That is that is usually the best we ever get for any of these. Like some of the Joshua fights, or like the uh, Brooke Spence was another one. That the 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 Sky pay per view. Those are usually the best, um, but you know if you can't get a good version of that, when they cut it down in half, it goes from being like the best to being very hard to watch. Like the eye has a hard time keeping the action smooth on twenty five FPS. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's my answer to your question. So you like the ten eighty videos best, JOI? Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, I don't even remember what, oh, uh, Ryan Martin, uh, almost beat Josh Taylor. If it wasn't for getting punched in the back of the head that Josh Taylor cheated (laughs) on, Ryan Martin would be moving on in the World Boxing Super Series. But that is an alternate reality that Ryan Martin lives in. Um, I don't live in that reality. What we saw, and I'd love to give Josh Taylor some credit here. I would love to because I think Josh Taylor is a good fighter. But I can't spend a second praising Josh Taylor because Ryan Martin did not deserve to be in this fight. Ryan Martin is a fighter I've seen up close and personal. And there's a reason my British friends who are li- who are down or listening to this and my American friends, there's a reason why Ryan Martin his name was never brought up alongside an Errol Spence. His name was never brought up alongside any of the top prospects in the UK, in America, anywhere. Because he wasn't. He was never touted. And there was a reason for that. One-dimensional. It's all offense or all defense. Doesn't throw in combination. Doesn't really move well. If, If the guy's basically not standing in front of him, if the guy basically isn't keeping his hands busy... Then Ryan Martin will work, but if the guy moves or the guy punches, Ryan Martin just basically shells up and does nothing. And that's what we saw this weekend. It was just another poor performance from an Abel Sanchez fighter. Ryan Martin just wasn't good. Like, I really had hopes that it wouldn't be this way. I did want him to go out there and put on a show, but that wasn't what we saw. I mean, it was just... I, I was just really disappointed in the performance. I mean, Martin looked like a guy that maybe didn't even want to be there. Um, you have any take from this fight? Maybe you like to give Ryan Martin some crate, some praise. Maybe you thought I was too hard on him. <laughs> well, definitely not on Martin. Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, I would say my my raw reaction. When I was watching. I was like, "Wow, Josh Taylor looks like a superstar." You know, I mean, he landed body shot combination throughout the whole fight he completely shut down ryan martin's offense but yeah then you take a step back and you well but again then you step back and you say wow (laughs) ryan martin shut the podcast off they're like i got what i came here for 
Ryan Martin is just even worse than we thought, which is, you know, I mean, uh, HBO was pushing him during the same era that they were pushing the Hebrew hammer, which does not speak to the quality of Ryan Martin. It speaks to the, the lack of, you know, fighters that they had to put on their air. You know, if Tom Loeffler wanted to put forth Ryan Martin and, you know, for essentially no license fee, they'd say, great, we will put him on the air. We'll put him on our pay-per-views. And even then he kind of like washed out of that level. Uh, Ryan Martin in his last few fights uh, got a split decision against Francisco Rojo, uh, 20 and two fighter, uh, lost rounds to Bradis Prescott, who at this point is 31 and 22, who any prospect worth assault is going to uh, knock him out. Um, he really, you know, he was, we've talked about this phenomenon before. I mean, he was still undefeated, but he was a prospect who had plateaued and showed that he just really wasn't that good. And he, he was a fighter who seemed sort of, I mean, you can see why Tom Loeffler signed him. I mean, he seemed good on paper. He had won a junior national amateur title he has had a frame of a welterweight fighting on 135 he looks like a guy who could be a multi-division champion yeah well that was apparently the word on him that he worked in uh worked up at the summit gym in in big bear with uh golovkin and abel sanchez and they love his work ethic yeah but again it's just (laughs) you can't fight you know it's like we we saw a similar uh case here with uh antoine douglas where he got uh, knocked out by Kurtzidze and then embarrassed by Spike O'Sullivan, who, you know, Spike O'Sullivan got embarrassed by uh, Billy Joe Saunders and David Lemieux when he stepped up. So, and Chris Eubank um, Jr. I, I have to say... Um, Wait, did they fight? Oh, I'll look that uh, up. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is why we need the producer on the, line, on, on the call here. Uh, but yeah, so Taylor, my eyes looked sensational. I mean... It's always interesting. Some fighters fight down to the level of their competition. So it was interesting to hear just the level of domination from Taylor. I mean, just so, so dominant, put on quite a display. But yeah, I, I think, again, it, it does also speak to just, you know, Ryan Martin being even worse than we thought. So going into the next round, um, I think that's the thing I'm most excited about. Um, do you have a quick take on uh, Josh Taylor versus the Beast Burn? Or should I get into oh, mine? Oh, man. It, I, I'll let you go. Um, but I'll just say Josh Taylor will easily outbox Baronchik. Um Baronchik is just limited. Well, I think, I mean, I am so looking forward to this fight. I mean, as much as I said the sort of the, the 118-pound division is just sort of, you know, the, the, the air has kind of left the tires from that division. It feels deflated. I am so excited about how the 140-pound division is playing out. So regarding the Branchik fight, I mean, look, we saw Branchik fight. Yigit, Yigit was overmatched. I know a friend of Reddit Boxing, Anthony Yigit, but overmatched against Branchik. But Branchik, you know, we saw a guy who doesn't know anything but to drive forward. He leaves himself open. I mean, that was what we said, previewed that fight. Um, he leaves himself totally open for flush shots. Uh, Josh Taylor, I think, showed... You know, very good footwork in this fight, very good body work. I think this could really be like a star-making performance. You know, the type of fight for, uh, for Josh Taylor. I think that it, it is going to be an exciting fight, and I could see Taylor winning by vicious knockout with Amazing. how open Branchick leaves him. Uh, I am really looking forward to it. At the same time, Branchick could, you know, Ricardo Mayorga, Josh Taylor. 
You know, I, I think that's unlikely, but Branchick is going to bring the, the toughest physical challenge that Taylor will have seen. But I, I think that is going to be a fascinating one to watch. Amazing that you can beat Ryan Martin and Ivan Berenchik, and that makes you a star. I, I thought just in terms of the optics, I mean, I think that could be like, again super exciting. I mean, the type of fight the top rank is known for. Um, oh yeah, you know, this, this is super better than match top rank matchmaking right now. I yeah, but here's really a problem. Like here's a problem. Okay. It won't be a star-making performance, whether he wins or loses, because um, nobody's watching the World Boxing Super Series in America, and they well, didn't get a TV deal in the UK. How are you guys going to mess this up? <laughs> you got UK fighters, and you don't have a TV deal in. Like, what are you doing? Hey, hey. Every time I, I bring this up, man, I bring <laughs> this up. The World Boxing Super Series is a great idea. The execution isn't good. Well, and I said, you uh, might be right that Josh Taylor could become a star, but who's going to watch it? Well, I'll tell you who's going to watch it. According to Eddie Hearn, uh, it wasn't 15,000 people who watched Joshua on DAZN. It was more like a million. So apparently DAZN has 20 times more viewers than we thought. Um, <laughs> well, you, you, you said the key <laughs> word not there. not 20. That's bad math. Excuse me. More than 50 times the viewership that we thought. So if that's true, then yes, maybe we will see Josh Taylor break through. Okay, he ain't breaking through in America. That's for damn sure. Um, but here's the other thing. Well, Ivan according Berenchik, to Eddie Hearn's lies, he has a chance. Uh, well, that's what I was going to get to. You said the key word there. Eddie Hearn said, um, I don't trust Eddie Hearn. I don't trust Bob Arum. I don't trust any of these guys. Um, because they're promoters. That's their job to, like, everyone got that friend that they will just embellish the truth a little bit. Like, I don't know if you've ever been there with, with one of your friends, Tom. And uh, you guys are like meeting some girls or just meeting some new people. And this dude starts talking about a story that you're involved in. And he's like, yeah, and then we were there and then we did this and then we said this. And you, you just start looking at him like, nah, man, I, I didn't say that. I did not say that. And you didn't say that. And this dude right here that you're talking about wasn't even there. What are you talking about? That, that's a promoter. Cause it, but it's a good story and it's a good headline for Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum, but the reality is it ain't true. I mean, Dana White over here lying about Conor McGregor doing over a million pay-per-views, then someone, or then uh, WME IMG buys the UFC, we go through, um, uh, what is it, Discovery, and we learn, oh, the pay-per-view... These pay-per-views aren't even cracking a million. These guys are lying, adding like 400,000 buys out of thin air, reporting this as news. We hear, oh, Mayweather McGregor did over 6 million pay-per-views. It has broken the record. Uh, No, it didn't. Didn't break the record. Got Came real close. Didn't break the record. Um, and my last thing... Um, I don't know. This is just random. I'm just going to throw it out here because there's no other time to, to say it. Um, we're over here talking about, I guess we're talking about Dazen, so we'll talk about this. Um, Dazen's known for their problems with uh, streaming and buffering issues and blah, blah, blah in the UK, right? Or sorry, not in the UK, in Canada. And and they had to give up 
their deal with the NFL because they could not handle the streaming. Now it makes sense. It's the streaming the NFL. All right, cool. And then we're talking about Canelo now in America. Going, His fight's going to be streaming on Dazen. And we're expecting that Dazen will gain a massive amount of subscribers and people watching Canelo's fights when he does fight. As to be expected, because that's the biggest star in boxing. Okay. But here's the thing. Like, I don't trust this. I really don't. Like, the UFC couldn't handle Mayweather-McGregor. Like, their whole system crashed. Streams went out. And I'm pretty sure days in stream for that Canelo fight is just a fear of mine. It Like, I just panic when, when like, streams, like, buffer or anything like that. But I'm just, like, real nervous about Canelo's first fight on Dazen that I'm going to miss something. Anyway, uh, you can respond to anything I said or none of it at all, and we can move on and talk about Floyd Mayweather. Uh. Yeah, just all. What can I do but agree? I mean, yeah, DAZN is unreliable, and Eddie Hearn is a liar. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can move on. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, more of the story. Eddie Hearn's a liar. Uh, here's a quote directly from Eddie Hearn, um, and we'll just leave it at that. It did over a million views. Speaking of Joshua versus Povetkin, it did over a million views across Dazen, which is Italy, Germany, Japan which was nothing because of the time zone, and America. A substantial chunk of that was America. In terms of the live audience and the on-demand views, it wasn't dissimilar to his Showtime audience against Joseph Parker. Okay, sir. Let's get this straight here. That's a lie. And I'm not going to explain why, because I think you know. Because if it wasn't dissimilar, then the number's actually way, way lower. But whatever. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I just, you know, I'm just pointing out that you can't always believe what the promoters say, but I don't hate him for saying it. I actually like that they say it. Yeah, just one one quick thing to add. I think this is interesting. This is something we talked about when the DAZN deal was announced and the top rank ESPN Plus starting to come into started to come into the picture. Uh, we're used to promoters lying to us about all sorts of things, but at least television ratings we could get from Nielsen. And in the era of streaming now, um, <laughs> well, we knew we weren't going to get anything. Longer term, uh, companies like Nielsen, uh, syndicated market research companies, will figure out how to get this data, get representations of these ratings. Uh, right now, they do not exist. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we haven't actually heard that much out of top rank related to ESPN. So, you know, we've just thought to say, okay, well, you know, if they had something to brag about, we'd probably hear it. It's interesting in Eddie Hearn's case, you know, we got the 50, 15,000 number, which seemed, you know, shockingly candid when that number came out. Um, and then we have Eddie Hearn just completely lying through his teeth because he no, knows that there's no way for anyone to back him up so or, or to contest him. So a- anyway, yeah, I think at this point we can move on. I'm just agreeing with you. Yep. Um, I'm, so Floyd Mayweather's announced that he's going to return in an exhibition in Japan on New Year's Eve, which is cool, against uh, Smart. I'm really smart. I wrote his full name down, of course. Uh, all I wrote down is Nasukawa. Nasukawa. Yeah, Nasukawa. Nasukawa. And I'm seeing a lot of like, oh, why does Floyd have to do this? He needs the attention. This is a farce. This is this is ridiculous, etc., etc. I'm sure you get where I'm going with this. And you listening at home, 
You've heard some version of this. Let me just tell you guys something. Let me ask you a question. Tom, was Muhammad Ali a circus act? Was he a circus act? <laughs> oh, boy, what a loaded question. Well, he did fight in some uh, sideshow tracks. He fought fights, Antonio yes. Inoki. Do you know who that is? I do know who that is. Tell, tell the world tell, who this jabroni is. At home. Well, a legendary pro wrestler. Um, Like John Cena. Like John Cena. Uh, Yeah, like John Cena. I believe he was a pro wrestler, not a shoot fighter. But he fought a shoot fight against Muhammad Ali, or it was allegedly a shoot fight against Muhammad Ali. Antonio Inoki is the founder of the Bullet Club. Wait, I got that wrong. He's a founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, I said that on purpose. I, hopefully, people who know what that is, you guys found that funny. If you don't, just ignore that. Um, th- so supposedly, it's supposed to be a three-round exhibition with very likely it will be full boxing rules. Um, Nasukawa is going to move up like 20 pounds to fight Floyd. Um, and I, I wrote down, I, like, I, two thoughts came to mind for me. Why does uh, Nasukawa and Ryzen do it? Uh, I think it's Ryzen. Uh, and um, it's the second stupidest name next to Dazen. And then there's why does Floyd Mayweather do it? I think one is obvious and then the other one isn't so obvious. Uh, the one that's not so obvious is why does Nasukawa and Ryzen, why do they do this? And I think, in my opinion, that this is a move that you do if you are interested in growing not just a profile for Nasukawa, who seems to be young and popular and talented. Um, you rise, you raise his profile as well as you elevate the the reach of the promotion by bringing in Floyd Mayweather. Whether you pay him um, more money than you've ever paid anyone else before, what he brings in will be worth it long term for your brand. Um, it's like, it's basically like a huge endorsement, um, that they're getting from Floyd Mayweather and Japan has done exhibitions with their boxers in the past. Um, specifically in a way fought a three round exhibition against Genesis Cervania recently. And then there's the history of, um, Antonio Inoki fighting, um, Muhammad Ali. You have, um, what's this guy's name? Uh, Matthew Said Muhammad. Was it him? I believe it was him. He fought. I don't know um, where you're going against, with this. He fought against a kickboxer. What I'm saying is, while you could be upset about this happening, first of all, it happens. Exhibitions happen. They're fun. I mean, nobody really gets hurt at the end of the day in these exhibitions. It's really just to bring, like, have an event that people can go to. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But secondly, it makes sense for Ryzen. If Ryzen's trying to elevate their profile as this big MMA thing, and I don't even know what Ryzen is, to be honest with you, but I guarantee you, <laughs> you didn't either, but you do now because Floyd is coming to town, right? And how much money are you willing to pay for that sort of exposure? What if Ryzen is going to sign a, a, an American TV deal? And on the heels of that is Floyd Mayweather's entrance into whatever they are is it mma does anyone know yeah it's mma and kickboxing they do mixed promotions okay got it um so that at least that's what i see um i think from mayweather's point of view like what is uh his moniker money okay then that's probably why he's doing it um what, what do you think uh in your opinion uh why do you think they are they're doing this at all 
Well, I mean, there are obvious reasons. I mean, just just from a promotional standpoint, having a Floyd Mayweather ex- exhibition is going to bring eyeballs. I mean, it's the same reason his own is paying for a Rocky Fielding fight. It's not because it's a good fight. It's because Canelo's a big big name. And he can bring sus- uh, subscriptions. It was interesting. Uh, Ryzen, if you were searching for information about um, uh, tension, uh, Nasukawa, uh, or Ryzen, um, they, they have an... A, a, official youtube channel that posted a few some english content like a video like what is ryzen so i mean they were ready to go i mean this does seem to be i mean they know what they're doing here i mean they're they're trying to raise their profile i you know we have not really heard in detail how this deal came together behind the scenes it does seem very likely going back to when that news story came out about uh mayweather and pacquiao meeting up in japan from that minute on there was talk Mayweather doing a fight in Japan. So, uh, yeah, seems evident that this is something they tried to set up. I think a few details just to get out of the way, which I think are important to try to discuss this fight. I mean, first off, Nasik fights at, has fought at 122 and 126. So much, much smaller than Mayweather. Um, he's done, he's actually a kickboxer. He's done, uh, four MMA bouts defeated in both. Um, he does throw a lot of punches in kickboxing. He seems to set up mostly with, uh, um, punches upstairs, fairly good body puncher as well. Uh, I posted, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but he does, he mostly throws to the head and then, uh, is very good with knees, very good timing, uh, and, uh, accuracy with his knees. So he'll do a lot of combinations upstairs and then mix in a knee, which is, <laughs> pretty devastating if you're used to watching boxing just to imagine you know someone throwing a combination and then just knocking you out with the knee to the chin um i do it all the time so yeah interesting fighter it's, it's sort of interesting getting to know who he was also um <laughs> yeah the freak show element holds a knockout win over i'm not ruin wrong who you know i, I, I posted this on reddit today um, you know, most boxing fans know him for, well, but fans know him for a few reasons. He took Zhu Shiming's O at, at 112. Again, by the way, we're talking about, you know, a Mayweather fight here. So, fought, took Zhu Shiming's O at 112, showed himself after that to not be a very good fighter in general, suffered some other losses, fought in the Olympics. Uh, he was one of the pros to go back to the Olympics, got knocked out there. Um, so then comes back and fights a kickboxing against nasukawa and uh gets knocked out by body shots in that fight so clips up on reddit if you want to check it out um this is my general take on this i think um mayweather wanted to do an mma fight i mean i think he's going to be well compensated for this i think there's been a lot of speculation that the conference they haven't announced the weight class which you know is pretty significant if you're talking about a a featherweight fighting a guy who in his last fight fought uh at 154 at least that was the official limit even though he weighed in at 147 um so the weight class is up in the air so is the style of the fight um my prediction is that it will be some version of not pure boxing i think it's not an accident he chose a guy that small i could definitely imagine i don't think there will be kicks because i don't think mayweather would risk getting injured with a kick to the knee um but i could see some modified version that could involve punches and grappling but not kicks or elbows or knees um you know (laughs) granted that is a fantasy sport that doesn't exist but um i i I think we are going to see that or else i i don't think he would have gone with a guy that small i mean i know they've said this is an exhibition and not a real fight but i mean this pushes the bounds of 
of anything. I mean, I get it. Mayweather's 41. I mean, people got upset about him fighting Conor McGregor. I mean, McGregor at least was a former boxer and had a size advantage. I mean, this is a guy who's at a tremendous size disadvantage. Um, I, th- I, again, I, th- I think that's really my take is just the prediction is that this will be some version of not a pure boxing match. Uh, but then again, I mean, it's in Japan. They haven't done a lot to try to set up the U.S. market here or to try to say that there's even going to necessarily be a U.S. pay-per-view here. So um, I think Ryzen drove a dump truck full of money up to Mayweather's house. This is a one-off thing. Uh, Mayweather is not treating this like one of his major pay-per-view events. So um, anyway, those are some scattered thoughts. Anything to say in response or in addition? Yes. I've got a lot to say, and it'll be a lot quicker than you, Tom. I'm going to get right <laughs> down to it. What Ryzen is trying to do, they'll get some notoriety in the U.S. for sure, because you've got Mayweather in. But what they're trying to do, it, this is not a fact. I'm about to tell you opinion, um, but I will speak like this is fact. What Ryzen is trying to do is they're trying to recreate pride. Now, what is Pride. Pride was an organization, the second biggest UFC, or sorry, the second UFC's branding is so strong that you call MMA UFC a lot of the times, uh, but the, the second biggest MMA promotion, and um, Pride was a freak show. Everyone did steroids, might have even encouraged it, Vince McMahon style, and they just said, all right, well, we're going to put you in a boxing ring, kick while you're down, do whatever you want, but it's whoever's standing at the end. You are the winner. None of this rule stuff that you see in the UFC where you can't even fight like a real fight. You can't kick someone in the face while they're on the floor. Um, Pride allowed you to do that. And um, they they had no scoring system. You just picked a winner. Uh, there were no, you know, just whoever you thought won the fight. And essentially, Ryzen's not doing good in Japan right now. And the plan... Possibly, this is speculation, is that they want to recreate pride. They want to recreate um, the the whatever pride had that made it so big, not just in Japan, but in the world until the UFC really picked up steam and started running. That's what they want. And Tom has just sent me a video clip. Um, what is Ryzen? Uh, I'm not going to watch that, Tom. I'm going to continue with my take. Um, but... Essentially, they're trying to recreate a huge sort of like MMA promotion in Japan and really fill the void that's been left uh, since Pride has not been around. And um, there's uh, some people talk like in forums and stuff that Brock Lesnar should fight John Jones in Pride rules because neither guy can really pass a drug test, whether it be steroids, HGH, cocaine, who knows. Um, and if the, we want these guys to fight and they're just going to be genetic freaks in there, um, might as well just let them fight. You know, if they want to kick each other in the head, then they should be able to do it. If they want to knee in the back of the head, they should be able to do it. That that's just what I hear. I'm no expert on this, but, um, I, I just wanted to give a potential reason why. Why would you do this? Because essentially, for us boxing fans, who cares about this? You don't care about MMA, or I mean, you might. But for the most part, we don't care that much about the MMA as we do boxing. And how do you get us talking about it? Well, you bring in Floyd. 
Floyd brings in the exposure. And Floyd's a great promoter. Floyd's going to talk people into the building. That's just what he does. That, like He's made a career of that. Because let's face it, for the casual boxing fan, nobody really, really wants to watch Floyd box. But for some reason, they keep buying his pay-per-views. So that's essentially what I think is going to happen. You want to touch on anything else? I have one more last like alternate um, reason. It's real short, though. Yeah, I mean, not not really. Just a quick quick comment is I again, it's like I think it's it's clear and obvious that if a promotion brings in Mayweather, it's going to bring them attention. It's a question of you know justifying their you know getting a return on their ex- investment. I mean, they'll, they'll, presumably you know looks like this is probably. I mean, one would just guess this was probably some eight figure dollar amount. Could have been an even hundred million. It really depends He's a on what the fighter. He's he said that before. Well, but again, this is an <laughs> exhibition. So I mean, if this is really you know a no lose situation, um, it's not being treated like a real fight, and it's basically just a, a, a you know promotion. Yeah, I I, I um, yeah, don't really have anything more to say with that. Again, it's just like the benefit is obvious. It's really more a question of trying to to get a return on their investment i mean the other thing i'll say i mean look i really don't know a lot about this but just just your point about trying to to have a new pride the ufc basically has a monopoly on the mma world um something that has come up uh repeated in the pro wrestling world every time the the wwe has tried to have a full monopoly uh competitors risen up any anytime you try to get that much market share there's always going to be a groundswell of opposition there are going to be fans who aren't into that who want a different flavor um wwe had a lot of competition from wcw in the 90s um they have a lot of competition from new japan pro wrestling right now at least that among hardcore fans well at least among hardcore fans not in terms of you know market share really but um yeah i i I think there's room for there to be another big player in mma um so i'm not going to speak more about something that i really haven't researched yet but we'll certainly find out more about this leading up to the exhibition fight uh also pride the former president of pride created uh ryzen well there you go one last thing on this you can just laugh at this. You don't have to respond. I was thinking, like, I was really going down the, the rabbit hole of what could possibly be the reason. And maybe TMT as a brand sells really well in Japan. And the next <laughs> step to taking it to the next level is Floyd actually fighting in Japan. How, rate that one out of 10. Uh, that's a three. I'm not, not going <laughs> to give you much credit for that. Uh, what do you rate Kell Brook fighting uh, Michael Zarafa? Oh, God. Uh, also a three. I I uh, I I don't know what Kelbrook is doing. Also, you see the new I'm just pictures looking... of Zarafa that Kelbrook posted on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I, I actually am looking. Can we talk that about right that? Now. Amir Khan posted up. I, oh, I just... Khan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just just the latest uh, male stripper to be dragged into the and, sport and of hold boxing. on. Don't throw stones in a glass house because Kelbrook could easily reply to Khan's tweets with some pictures of his own. I mean, yeah. Well, right. I mean, I bring to mind that that uh, Mayweather and Delahoya have gotten to this, you know, <laughs> increasingly uh, just ridiculous war where uh, 
Delahoya will call Mayweather, uh, uh, you know, an abuser of women, and then Mayweather will post up the picture of Oscar and fishnets. We don't need to see those pictures of Oscar and fishnets. Come on. Well, at Are least it's just... not the picture of Oscar on the rolling pin. <laughs> oh God! Uh, please let uh, I, I do not want pictures of that to leak out. Uh, <laughs> anyway, pictures Kelbrook of Roy and Jones and Anthony Yard. I. Oh God. <laughs> Um, Tom's getting a lot This is this is a reason to check out the Sunday Puncher Discord to check out the uh, the emoji, emojis in there uh, relevant to this topic. But yeah, look, it's frustrating. Kelvin is not taking a real fight. I don't know why this fight is happening. Uh, you know, Kelbrook's last fight against Rabchenko was a waste of time. This fight is a waste of time. I mean, he's trying to show that. I it really fighters in the U.S pretty much I, I would say can't get away with this it, it, these fights really just don't exist i mean it's interesting just the different business model that hearn has in the uk that he will just put his guy in with like number 30 in the division and that's somehow accepted because um, they're number nine in the ibo rankings <laughs> that's how it's well, sold Right. I mean, again, it's like I'm sure there are some fans of Hearn who who will try to back this up and defend this. I don't even know what that argument is. Um, yeah, this should be another Kelbrook knockout that really doesn't mean anything. Um, you know. <sighs> anyway, what wh- what is your view on it? I mean, what is the possible value of this besides just keeping Kelbrook busy? Listen, the reason why I could talk about Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum and them not telling the full truth and all that stuff is because I'm good at that too. I mean, I don't do this a lot, but like, like I can get into that character. Like I, I I can sell you on Brooke versus Rafa. I know I can. It's real simple. Listen, Tom, in December, we have the return of Kel Brook. Kel Brook is one of the gutsiest fighters with the biggest hearts in all of boxing. He <laughs> took a challenge against Gennady Golovkin, and he came right back and said, I want an even bigger challenge. I'll drop back down two weight classes, and I'll fight the boogeyman. I'll fight Errol Spence. And I know that I just suffered a horrible orbital bone fracture. And I very well could have gone blind, just like I very well could have never walked again when I was attacked on an island while I was supposed to be training and had fights canceled. But Kelbrook has had his career threatened before, and he's come back because he has heart. The guy's a warrior, and he's also a skilled fighter. And he got hurt against Errol Spence, and he came back surgically repaired. And he fought Sergey Rabchenko. Rabchenko was supposed to, to give him a challenge. Rabchenko wasn't <laughs> supposed to beat him, but it was supposed to test whether Kell Brook could stand up to the, 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 the tough combat, the, the pain and, and the suffering that could come about if he were to be hit in the eyes. And what did he do? He made sure he didn't get hit. He destroyed Rabchenko. And it looked less fake than Amir Khan's win over Phil LaGreco. And Cal Brook wants the big fights. He wants to be challenged, and he wants that fight with Amir Khan. But Amir Khan won't won't give in to certain demands or 
maybe um, Amir Khan keeps making these ridiculous demands on Kell Brook. Brook is a tough fighter. Went to America and he beat Sean Porter, who's now one of the top welterweights in the world. Kell Brook still deserves to be in that conversation. He may not. He may have come up short against Errol Spence, but the guy's still one of the top fighters at 147 pounds, and he's gonna fight a former middleweight, a former top contender in the middleweight division. But he thinks he can challenge himself because Kell Brook's always looking for challenges. And yeah, Michael Zarafa, he's come up short before, but Zarafa's got power. Zarafa's a, a young guy who's going to come in and test Kell Brook. And it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a great event for the fans. And Sheffield, all 30 of them that show up. What do you think, Tom? Well, that was a promotional speech that would make Eddie Hearn blush. I mean, look, this event is a little ridiculous. It's uh, competing the same day. I guess not competing because it won't be at the same time, but it's the same day as Lomachenko's against Pedraza, that top-ranked card with some of the prospects uh, on there. This is a big card. This is going to be on the same day as... The, what is likely to be the final HBO boxing broadcast of the foreseeable future, which is uh, a 360 promotion Tom Loeffler card, which will almost certainly beat Superfly 3 as the lowest that or Superfly. Uh, oh, you mean the Jacobs fight? <laughs> well, no, that wasn't as low. I'm just teasing. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, Superfly 3 had been the record of the all-time lowest HBO boxing card, this will almost certainly beat it. On that card currently, Cecilia Bracos versus TBA and Roman Gonzalez versus TBA. Very likely Um, Pedro Guevara. (laughs) So anyway, um, I I don't know. Again, I'll just say, you know, Kelbrook, great. He's fighting like number 30 in the division. Um, He could try to fight one of the champions. He has a big enough name. He could definitely get of the champions into the ring at 154 um he has a big enough name and enough muscle behind him he could get someone in the top 10 top 15 top 20 top 25 why he has to drop all down to the bottom of the you know top 30 it's just very cynical and disappointing um you know you look at his title defenses at 147 i've you know shamed him many times over that he fought Got the title from Sean Porter. That is without question the win of his career. That is a fantastic win. Took Sean Porter's O. Then fought No No Dan, Frankie Gavin, Kevin Bizier. Um, not a very distinguished title run. Um, not again. Not really sure. I mean, in the U.S., typically fighters would just stay out of the ring. There's not a lot of money in a fight like that. It does nothing to improve their standing. You're risking getting injured. It's you know viewed as an unnecessary training camp. Kelbrook a weird holding pattern i don't really know what they're going to do with him i don't know i mean if they're going to try to put a fight between him and canelo at 160 um i don't know i don't really know what the plan is i mean the amir khan fight they're always circling it but it just you know they, they can't seem to get that fight signed and i don't know if it's as big of a fight as everyone keeps saying they've been talking about it for years and it will definitely do decent money in the uk but it's not like it's going to be the next mayweather pacquiao so um, yeah, I just, I don't see what it has to do for him. And it's very cynical. They had, they chose a guy that bad. Um, you know, clearly this is a stay busy fight and I think they didn't want to risk him getting hurt again or losing. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, fans really can demand better than this. I mean, there are, uh, 
25 guys who deserves uh, to be in there, you know, well ahead of Michael Sarafa. That's a low. I, I disagree with that. Who who really thinks Kelbrook is that good? Are you are you that impressed by his uh, the Twitter shots Americana has been posting? Does that raise his rank? Um, no, I really just don't think Kelbrook is that good. Um, I think anytime we see him get in the ring with somebody who's like a top tier guy. Um, Kel Brook is going to really struggle to not be stopped because of his face. I mean, as simple as that is, this is just like for health reasons, he's not going to hold up to the guys that can punch the guys that will find his face. Um, I mean, in, in the, in the Spence fight, you know, Spence is a big puncher for sure, but like very quickly, it's like, okay, Kel Brook's face is like not looking so good. Um, he'll be fine against a Michael Zarafa, but like I just think based off of where his health is at, um, there's no way Kelbrook can compete with the guys. I mean, and this is going to be at 154, I believe. Um, yes, dude has no chance at 154. Like, can you imagine Kelbrook gets a couple of wins and they throw him in there with Jared Hurd? That'd just be a bloodbath. They'd have to imprison Eddie. Accessory to murder. Um, I agree with you. Uh, well, wait a second. Do you think um, Kelbrook could beat Patrick Teixeira? Um, oh, God. I, I don't remember who that is. He's a guy that Curtis Stevens like brutally knocked out on, I think, the Canelo Golovkin <laughs> undercard. <laughs> that guy. Um, oh, God. What a weird, embarrassing fight that was, right? And gold, that's a golden boy fighter who they've tried to bring back. Yeah, I mean, I tried um, to, like, crap all over the fight before just let everyone know Curtis Stevens is about to knock this dude out um <laughs> um yeah I think I think Kelbrook look um I, I I don't know I mean you sort of came at me from an angle I wasn't expecting um how good is Kelbrook at 154 um like I I I was sort of responding to UK fans who exist on Reddit who say that he's ready to take over 154 that say oh, the Errol Spence fight was a fluke injury. People. Well, right. So maybe it's a mistake to respond to that. Maybe that isn't the most productive way to have the conversation. Um, I think Kelbrook is probably in the lower half of the top 10 at 54. I think that's pretty realistic. And then, you know, uh, with the caveat that he could lose at any time due to uh, injuries. Um, we really don't know how well he'll hold up. Again, that really was the freak thing about the, the Spence fight. It was the other side of his face that got broken. So um, that really does raise a lot of questions. You know, if it had been the same side and the same injury, say, well, okay, he was just re-injuring something caused by Golovkin. It uh, raises a lot more questions. He suffered the same injury, but on the other side of his face. So, um, yeah, I think lower half of the top 10 at 150. That's, you know, once you start to get below that, um, I think it's probably guys Kelbrook could beat. But, you know, again, maybe, maybe you're, uh, you're, maybe Eddie Hearn is proving your point for you, uh, with why he chose a guy that's that bad, that he, he didn't even take someone in the top 15. Uh, I'm going to move on from this because, um, I'm not wasting any more time talking about this. I would like to talk about, PBC has announced that they're going to roll out the 2019 schedule, or at least the first half, or the early first few months, first quarter maybe. First uh, schedule quarter is what the Fox guy told me. For Fox, next week, 
next Tuesday in LA. This is part of, of course, the lead up to the Wilder versus Fury event. Um, I'm real excited for this. I believe the fights that should end up getting announced, the return of Javante Davis, the return of Badu Jack, the return... Have we gotten confirmation that Broner versus um, Pacquiao's on Showtime? What I believe is that it is... I'm expecting that on Fox, based on my conversation with the Fox guy. He seemed to be treating that with the expectation that was a Fox fight. I've seen... um... I've seen both. Um, either way, uh, we'll see uh, at least a bunch of fights get announced, and that's always fun. Um, I actually really like that PBC does that, where they just announce four or five fights at a time. It, it just gives you a lot more to talk about than like uh, finding out one fight is happening, and then that's what we talk about for the next eight days uh, until fights actually happen, and then we stop talking about that. But um, that'll give us some content next week. We'll probably do a podcast right after and just react to the fights that are getting announced. Do you have any predictions for fights that we'll see apart from obvious one, Pacquiao Broner? Um, I think that's interesting. There, there are a few pieces to this, which still does get back to what's going to be on Showtime, what's going to be on Fox. Um, you know, there are, a number, there are a number of fights which have floated around, like Trevante Davis versus Abner Mares. Um you know, next year we're expecting Jarrett Hurd versus Jermel Charlo, but it's too soon to announce that because they're both fighting in December. So I am actually very interested to see how this is going to go because, um, you know, you have Leo Santa Cruz, um, Gary, Russell. Uh, Gary Russell floating around. So you, you haven't these fights, but, um, <laughs> you know, at the same time, this is Fox, so we really don't know what the level of the Fox cards are going to be. Like, I, I, I posted about this online here on our Discord room. You, you would have even seen the audio link. But I got to talk to the, the executive at Fox who's, who's in charge of the PBC deal. And um, talking to him, he made it very clear, like, Heyman Boxing, you know, basically they set dates. They do production on the Fox side. And uh, Heyman Boxing, he, he used that term repeatedly instead of the PBC um, make the matches for them. Um, just just to, to, to give some of the, the important bullet points related to that for those who haven't heard it, something else he also emphasized is that they're planning to do at least um, four pay-per-views per year. So pay-per-view, there's a strong expectation that a lot of these PVC guys who we've seen risk their profile over the last few years, suddenly they're going to try to put on pay-per-views. Um, We'll see what that ends up looking like, if they're going to go for stacked cards or if they really have faith that these main events can 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 pull through. Um, also laid out that, uh, you know, we'd already heard the, the count of the dates, but I asked him how it was going to be spaced out. And he said, expect basically two per month, one uh, Fox, one uh, FS1 card per month. Um, another big part of this announcement, we're expecting um, something that both he talked about Tim Smith, uh, spokesman for the PBC, who's been a lot more vocal in recent months than he he has been in the past, um, has talked about um, Fox is planning an in-studio show, which is going to be on a few times a month, uh, which will are both on Fox and on the FS1 cards. They're also planning to do pre-shows and post-shows for all the Fox cards. So um, Um, I think we're going to clear up one rumor, Tom. I cannot confirm or deny if I'm in negotiations to host PBC's shows. But if you would like to campaign <laughs> for that, go for it. 
<laughs> is uh, the the potential co-host one of your your many uh, female sport host crushes? Listen. <laughs> Wouldn't it be unbelievable if one of them ended up being on uh, this Fox show? So anyway, um, uh, you said won't happen, pre- but go on. <laughs> predictions Maybe for predictions for the the the, the 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 card. I think, um, yeah, I think we could get a few high profile fights. Um, I think it's also possible that we'll have something that we saw at the Showtime up front. A certain amount of fights announced, and then there were a certain amount of guys who were just like on stage. Um, you know, where they were trying to say like, well, we have these stars who are going to fight on our network. So you might see, uh, Jared Hurd. Well, actually he's on the, that's a bad example. He's going to, but you might say Gary Russell Jr. up there and they'll say his next fight is going to be on our network. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so just two other bits, like I was saying the Broner Pacquiao, he, he seemed to indicate that was on his network, but that does raise the question again between the Showtime and Fox, how these are being divided up. If between the two networks, you know, say Heyman sets the match up that they need to bid for them, that's possible. It seems unlikely, but it's possible. Um, but yeah, he seemed uh, to indicate he was expecting that for his network. He also said we can exp- – very possible to see another pay-per-view announced. Um, so, you know, uh, if – the other PBC pay-per-view we keep hearing about for imminent announcement is uh, Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. Uh, Errol Spence posted on his Instagram that he was doing something at a Fox studio. Um, I think the speculation was that was probably um, like a, a test show for their um, in-studio show. Um, but also, again, if, if Errol Spence is appearing on Fox, that indicates one of two things. One, they're going to announce the Errol Spence-Mikey Garcia fight, you know, or a different fight if that doesn't end up being the one to go through. Uh, also possibly indicates, you know, that um, with this Fox show, they could cover, you know, BBC fighters who are fighting on Showtime as well. They really could treat this as a partnership, and that will be really interesting. I don't know. Any responses to that or any further predictions? I mean, I, I think uh, it's very likely we do see the announcement of a Santa Cruz versus Gary Russell Jr. fight. Um, you know, it's just the thing that if I step back, if you step back, if we all step back and just kind of look where we were at 12 months ago, it's ridiculous where we've come where PBC looked relegated to Showtime, and that was that. And um, Top Rank was over on ESPN, and that was just okay with matchmaking that didn't seem very good. Um, HBO appeared to have severely downsized with boxing, but at the but to the extent that they'd still show boxing, it just wouldn't be any good. And we were streaming a bunch of cards. The World Boxing Super Series was... Uh, on their terrible stream on their website and that was boxing and now we have ESPN and ESPN plus we have studio shows um, in this corner I believe they changed the name of it you have the boxing beat with Dan Raphael you have HBO which is still out there and still going to put on a couple of cards or at least one more card in or two more actually and you have the fight game which may or may not continue you have days in and you have their studio their show that they put on which I don't watch I actually don't watch any of these shows. Um, and now you have Showtime, Fox, with uh, studio shows coming from Fox to... I mean, this is this is a golden age of boxing we are entering where there's so much content that if you want to be a boxing fan, 
it's easier now. You don't have to um, scour BoxRec to find fights and then look on Daily Motion to see which person from Thailand uploaded uploaded a fight that um, you otherwise would not be able to see. I mean, those days are over. I remember watching fights like that in terrible quality. Um, just it's amazing how much money got pump, pumped into the sport and then uh, how or I mean, I guess the interesting thing is to see what's the execution going to be like. Um, I think ESPN is really and Fox has struggled with these studio shows and how do you have them like what how do you make them successful not every studio show can be around the horn or part of the interruption which have been on for what like 20 years now and have been successful but like get up isn't that successful they put a lot of money into that but what is it going to take to create an inside the NBA uh for boxing or or I mean what is it going to take I mean I had the answer but you know you can think about it yourself (laughs) I'm I had an answer. answer in mind. Oh, okay. okay. I was going to say Adrian Broner. Me Adrian and, Broner. In the let me tell you something. I... They put me and Adrian Broner on a show. It's must watch. Must watch. <laughs> we will talk about everything. I will ask him about why. Why he was a weight bully. I will ask him why. Never mind. This is going to go... I mean, it will be bad. It'd have to be on... It, it couldn't be on Fox because we'd get into some things um, that probably are going to cross some lines here. Uh, so we should move on um, and talk about... Yeah, one one last bit on that topic. You know, you talked about the in-studio shows. Another thing the Fox executive said specifically uh, vaguely relates to that topic I'd ask, you know, what, what can we, you know, we've already seen PBC on Fox before. What is the real significance of this new announcement? And he said, you know, in addition to the studio show, in addition to the new, you know, long-term deal and the announcement of dates and the higher budget, um, he said in the past, PBC used to produce broadcasts that were shown on Fox. And he said, now this will be Fox Sports producing the broadcast. And you can expect, you know, that's really something they're looking to do is, is really elevate the game put on much higher production value um, broadcast. So I personally am very interested to see what that means. You know, that matters more to me than I think a lot of other people. I really do care about that. Um, I'm looking to see what they can, what they can manage to deliver. He was also sort of, I tried to ask him if they were going to have a set announcement team, something like the way Showtime or Fox or HBO do that. We have these set faces or, as opposed to what we've seen at the PBC where they really have just people revolving through. And he said that was more likely, he said they're, they're aiming for a core group, but people probably will still rotate. Um, I, I took what he said to mean probably fighters rotating through, which is what they've had on existing PBC broadcasts, that they'll usually have, you know, two main, main guys, and then they'll have a sort of rotated in on the call. Um, I was a little disappointed by that. I think, you know, you always get a better result when you have set announcers. Um, but you know, we, uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll be interested to see what those broadcasts end up looking like. It's it. I give them some leeway for that because I think it's really hard to find good boxing commentators. We've got a lot of all right ones. We've got a lot of not so good ones. We'd have very few good boxing commentators. And so, I don't care about that, to be honest with you, because I don't really listen to the commentary. I don't feel like it adds anything to my viewing experience, but um, I get that's important. Uh, why don't you talk about Oleksandr Ushik versus Tony Bellew? What do you got to say about that? 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to Ushik uh, murdering Tony. At least that's the way that I see it playing out. Um, this is one of those fights. I just I can't believe that it's happening. I mean, I view this almost like Mayweather versus McGregor. I, I'm sure there are some UK fans who think that being unfair to Tony Bellew, but um, I just view this as just I'm expecting a domination, just beat down of Tony Bellew. I don't think the fight will be competitive. Um, you know, another fight that comes to mind is, is Kel Brook versus Golovkin, you know, for different reasons, but um, I just think this is not going to be competitive at all. And I am looking forward to watching this. I will watch this on my days in stream. Uh, hopefully they deliver uh, better quality than we've, we've had in the past few weeks or thoughts. Um, here, look, it's not good content. If we both just sit here and say the truth. Oleksandr Ushik is going to beat Tony Bellew, right? So I've, I've been put in a very unfortunate position here where I'm going to have to take the side of Tony Bellew. Listen, Oleksandr Ushik has beaten nobody in his career. Think about it. <laughs> That's could a hot you, take. <laughs> could you, can you name, can you name anybody that Oleksandr Ushik has beaten before he got into the World Boxing Super Series. Who has he beat? Name someone. Kloaki. That was a fantastic win. Name someone else. <laughs> uh, Michael Hunter, not bad. Arguably the number one American cruiserweight at the time. Uh, okay, so Tom's just going to forget that he's a fan of Andrew Tabidi, but I'll allow that. Uh, who else well, I said he arguably... But uh, yes. Yeah, I ain't arguing that. That's for sure. But um, here's the thing. Glowacki, like, you beat Marco Hawk, but you were down in the fight. You sh- Arguably, Glowacki could have lost that fight. All right? Could have lost. Marco Hawk is already done. Tabisu Mishunu, you know, I was at that fight. I watched that fight, and it was awful. Just awful. All right, Ushik didn't look the greatest in that fight. He looked all right. Michael Hunter gave him a little bit of trouble. Ushik put him away. Hunter, what's he done since then? Hunter had 12 fights. Like, you're going to be real and say that Michael Hunter is the guy that you're going to base Ushik's, like, greatness off of? You're going to talk about Marco Huck? Marco Huck? Old man Marco Huck. That's like beating Nonito Donaire in 2018. Marius Bradis never done nothing in his career. And Murat Gassiev scored one knockout, and every, suddenly, all of a sudden, he beats barely beats Dennis Lebedev. And, and then we're like talking about Murat Gassiev like he's this top tier fighter. Stop. Oleksandr Ushik has not fought a guy like Tony Bellew in his career. Tony Bellew knows, has, has learned to lose. He knows what a fight looks like when he's down and has adjusted over the course of a long career to win. He's had fights where he's looked terrible, but in the final round, pulls it out. He's had fights where it's ugly and pulls it out. And he's had fights where he's been counted out. 
He's fought BJ Flores. He's fought Ilonga Makabu, who was supposed <laughs> to murder him. We've heard this before. We've heard it before. Makabu. We've heard David Hay. These guys coming to take Tony Belly's lunch. And what happened? Three have tried. Technically, two have tried. <laughs> two have failed. This ain't the Tony Bellew at 175 pounds because the last time Tony Bellew lost, he was 175 pounds. And that was against Adonis Stevenson, who legitimately is one of the most dangerous punchers in all of boxing. Alexander Ushik does not punch hard. There's no way. Absolutely no way. I can see somebody with the heart of a Tony Bellew, the, the unpredictability, and just the class of Tony Bellew going to come in here and actually accept this fight, a guy who's so close to the end, who could walk away. He's close to the end. But no, he looked at Ushik and he said to himself, I got this guy. I got him. They're lucky they didn't have me in the World Boxing Super Series. They're lucky I was off at heavyweight, knocking out legit heavyweights. Lucky. Because I would have won this whole tournament. <laughs> uh, I have a very succinct comeback. I will just say... Um... Those familiar with the Final Destination franchise of movies, look, Tony Bellew escaped death against Makabu. He got knocked down in the first round, somehow managed to come back. He fought David Hay. That was supposed to be when Tony Bellew was going to get sent to hell. David Hay's body fell apart, and we got to see two ridiculous fights. Uh, he will not be so lucky this time. Um <laughs> Adonis Stevenson sent Tony Bellew to hell down at 175. Uh, Bellew fought cleverly and lost a majority decision once, won a split decision the second time. Meanwhile, cleverly is getting absolutely annihilated by Sergey Kovalev and Badu Jack. Um, Tony Bellew is just going to get pummeled into submission. It is going to be glorious to watch for those who hate Tony Bellew. I know, by the way, this is very morbid. This is not something that we're supposed to say about fighters that we're looking forward to them getting beaten up. Um, <laughs> this thing Speak I've overheard Dan Raphael say about specific fighters who have called him fat on Twitter. <laughs> talk about how much he's looking forward to them getting beaten up in fights. Maybe it's unbecoming of me, but uh, I just feel like Tony Bellew has gotten it away with it one too many times, and uh, I don't think he's going to be able to escape the Grim Reaper this time. Not literally, no, I'm not saying he's going to die in the ring. I'm not being that morbid, but he's going to get beaten up, and it will be an interesting, interesting fight. Anyway, thanks. I have to say that was very bold of you to try to play devil's advocate here and take the Tony Bellew side. That uh, that took some creativity. Look, I have some very weird talents, and that's one of them. Um, here's a reality, okay? Oleksandr Ushik, in my opinion, is one of the best fighters in boxing. I truly believe Ushik is better than Lomachenko. As far as, you know, amateurs with the long history. Uh, Ushik, to me, is one of the best fighters in all of boxing. There is no way I see him losing this fight. Unless he puts his hands down, gives... Does a Nate Campbell, puts his hands down, gives Bellew a free shot, and Bellew connects. Um, Ushik should he ever find himself in trouble in a fight, could just revert to boxing, and very few at cruiserweight can box with him because the dude's work rate is insane. So I don't believe that we're going to see an Ushik loss. Um, now, the point that Tony Bellew continues to just pull things out, 
um, is interesting, but ultimately we're talking levels here, and Ushik is a level or three above Tony Bellew. Uh, the undercard will feature uh, Anthony Krola versus Dowd Jordan, which is a fight that you've been waiting for since 2013, um, maybe even longer. And it also features Scott Cardo versus um, Ricky Burns, which is cool. Um, nothing to say about those fights. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series uh, will also continue within the cruiserweight division. We'll see Marius Bradis versus Noel Gover, or Gover, however you say his name. Um, do you have anything to say about this fight? You want to make some gifts about this? <laughs> Not really. Um, it's uh, Bradis, I think. Probably deserves to be, uh, I think he is the number one seed and deserves to be considered the favorite in this year's World Boxing Super Series cruiserweight. At the same time, he's usually not that fun to watch. His fight against Usyk was fun and very competitive, but um, I don't know. I don't think he doesn't really work as an A-side for me. How, how do you see this? I don't see it. I will watch it because I am expected to watch it. I do not look forward to it. Marius Bradis is a good, talented fighter. But he ain't Ushik. And this is the whole thing about Cruiserweight and the reason why I don't like the World Boxing Super Series is because I don't care about the division now. I know Ushik is better than every single one of these guys. Think about the level between Bradis and Ushik. There's a level between them. And if Bradis comes in and schools Gavor, I'm not interested in the slightest in seeing Gavor going forward. And I'm very little interested, or I have very little interest, as some bad grammar, um, I have very little interest in watching Marius Bradis fight because he's not as good as Ushik. And I don't think he'll ever be an opponent that I'll have to be concerned about if Ushik were to get in the ring with him. Only way that happens is if Ushik's coming off some like devastating knockout loss. I don't really, like, I just, I'm going to watch it. I'm not trying to put it down. I'm going to watch it. I'm just not happy about it. Like, I just don't think that this has any impact uh, on the world scene that needs my attention. Um, it's just it's just how it is. Um, you got any, any counters to that? Um, yeah, just I agree. I mean, this is one of the least interesting World Boxing Super Series fights. And this is, the cruiserweight division is the least interesting out of the three. And probably the least interesting out of all five world boxing super series that have happened so far. Yep. Uh, this is like the WBC's welterweight tournament that they're did or doing. <laughs> this is like the box. Yeah, they're, they're still trying to get the, the second round of that going. I think they, they've had a hard time getting with that promotion. Yeah. I think the first round was in April and they still uh, don't have a fight date. Um, just some more round. updates about the PBC essentially up front. Um, they're going to do it on the Fox a lot next week. And um, all the fighters who are going to be fighting will be present. So it'll essentially be just like the upfront. I'm, I'm excited to go to this. Um, I will. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to go to for this. You went to the one in, uh, in January. Um, but too bad for you. You don't live in L.A. That's okay. Yeah, the the other one was at a, a fancy event space, like the the place where you know 
the, the super rich will have weddings and stuff. It was very, it was very interesting. They had a very good drink, <laughs> very, very, very nice bar set up for that. Uh, that one was uh, quite a fun event. I, I definitely got my suit on for that that uh, that night out. Um, yeah, I, I, I have you gotten your uh, credential announcement yet? Or, or I don't um, think they've announced anything officially. This is all from Twitter. Yeah, I would. Uh, well, we can talk about this afterwards, but I would follow up on that. I know um, some of the events that are the PBC events, you know, uh, have one set of credentials, but then the ones that are done through the networks like Showtime is separate from the main PBC stuff. So, yeah, stay on top of that. Um, that 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 I definitely want you to go to that one. I'm looking I stay on top to of everything. First hand reporting. Also, it'll be interesting, presumably, Ask like Katie. with uh, the Jamal Charlo, <laughs> Jamal Charlo press conference, um, we will see that. Um, Streamed on the Fox Sports Go app. Not bad quality um, last time uh, for the Charlo app. Um, I did watch the press conference on the, the Fox Sports Go app. It wasn't bad. Uh, yeah. Also, there. I mean, for what it's worth, they had more production going on than we're used to for those types of press conferences. Um, they had people there sort of trying to get the, the crowd engaged, sort of moving people around in seats to make sure there were good sight lines. So... Um, yeah, it was sort of interesting seeing the, a new player here, the seeing Fox be a lot more active. Um, as it said, um, before Fox was basically just showing the stuff that PBC produced. So it's interesting to see what they're doing now that they're actually the ones producing it themselves. Yep. Well, that's it for this week. We will be back soon. Or if there's some major event, we might have to come back even quicker than next week. Um, I appreciate you listening. Uh, if you would like more boxing content and you're like, I would like more than one boxing podcast a week. Well, you can go over to patreon.com slash sundaypuncher and see what we got over there. Um, That should keep you busy. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Tom, thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to say? No, always happy to be on. Um, Okay, say bye. I just still, oh, just very quick. I mean, it's incredible how different the boxing landscape. I mean, I know you touched on that, but this year versus last year. I mean, last year we just had a thing this fall. Now, every week, every week there's something. It's unbelievable. Anyway, yeah, talk to you guys later. I was broke as hell, sleeping on the mattress. I felt like a hell when nobody happened. Hot shells jumping out, they semi automatic. Made it up by the color, got a new edit. Now the VVs with a V long jean jacket.